an update on the red heifers. Pope Francis participates in the establishment of a world religion, precursors to the mark of the beast, human-induced global warming leading to climate change is a global governance hoax. Are you a believer? These prophesied events and more are in today's headlines, and we will discuss each of them on today's edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on today's edition of End of the Age. Got a lot of stuff to go through in the news today, but I wanted to give you an update on the red heifers that we talked about at the latter part of uh, 2021 and then the early part of this year. I had a partner of ours that told me about a guy here in Texas that thought he had found some red heifers. Now, you understand, uh, back in Numbers 19, verses 1 through 22, it talks about a red heifer that would be needed for the purification of Israel to resume the sacrifices on the, or to, to have the sacrifices on the Temple Mount. Well, they, Israel today, those that are wanting to build a third temple, they have been looking for a red heifer since Israel was brought back together as a nation in 1948. They haven't had one since 70 A.D. when the temple was destroyed. So they have been trying to create one to crossbreed different breeds of cattle to try to get a true kosher-approved red heifer. They have not been able to do that. My father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, followed Clyde Lott, who was in Mississippi and the Temple Institute guys with Rabbi Heimrichman and the ranch that they started in Israel devoted specifically to raising a red heifer and getting a true kosher red heifer and many other efforts, but they have never been able to get a true red heifer up to the end of the third year, at least two years and one month old. So a partner of ours contacted me around a time, uh, maybe October, November of last year and said, hey, in January, he knew of a guy that had um, found a few red heifers here in Texas. I won't go into the whole story, but I went and saw 21 rabbi-approved red heifers in Rockwall, Texas, just south of here, maybe 30 minutes, on a ranch out there, and I met the rabbis there. It was a legit... uh, um, it, they were working with the Temple Institute. So they were taking blood samples and all kinds of things. Well, they've been working all along with, they had to take the heifers through Europe and then down into Israel. About a month ago, they were supposed to ship the red heifers over there, five of them, and because they, there's no way they could do 21. So they said, we'll do the, the, the most, um, the, the, the ones that were in the best shape, five of them. And about a month ago, they were just all the plane tickets were bought. They were getting ready to ship the red heifers to to uh, house them in a special place in Israel, 
And the Ben-Gurion Airport called my friend who's over the project. His name's Byron Stinson. And they said, hey, it's all off. For some reason, it's, it was some frivolous nonsense excuse, and they wouldn't let him ship the red heifers. So about a month later, now everything's bought. They're ready to go again. And he said that if everything goes through, the cattle will arrive, those five heifer, red heifers will arrive in Israel Thursday night. And they would be close to uh, about maybe nine, ten months old by now, uh, maybe a little bit older than that. And the rabbi said if they can get them up to two years and one month old, and they would still be completely red, not have one white or black hair on their body, that they would be able to use that for the purification sacrifice to resume sacrifices on a third temple on the Temple Mount. So that's where we're at right now. I, I text uh, Byron Stinson, my friend, today, and he said, unless something just crazy happens, that they will, they, everything's bought, they're ready to go, and they will ship them and they will arrive on Thursday. So we'll, I'll keep you up to date on that. Now, obviously, I know as a Christian man that I, we don't need a red heifer. Jesus Christ was the supreme heifer for our uh, sins. We don't need the reestablishment of a, of a uh, sacrifice for the atonement for sin. We look back to Jesus Christ and what He did on Calvary. However... The Bible says that the Antichrist will cause the sacrifices to cease in the end time, which means they will resume sacrifices, and they need a red heifer to do that. So they're going to get a red heifer. Well, it appears that, you know, it could be. I can't say specifically it's going to be one of these five, but it is possible because all five of them are still completely red rabbi-approved heifers. So, I wanted to keep you up to date on it. Will they get to ship them there uh, this Thursday? I don't know the answer to that. He didn't know. He said it, everything is set to go, but it was that way a month ago, and the Ben-Gurion Airport said, no, we can't receive them right now because of some excuse. And they said, no. Now it's back on, and they're supposed to be shipping those red heifers, and they're supposed to arrive there on Thursday night. I am my, uh, our tour is leaving for Israel on Friday morning. We're going to New York and spend the night, and then Saturday morning we're headed to Israel. I don't know if I'll get to take the group on this trip to see those red heifers. We've got a, we've got a packed tour. Uh, if we can, maybe the one in the spring, I don't know. I'll do my best, but we'll see how everything goes and where they're located. But I just want to give you a heads up because we're living in, we're living in the last days. This is Bible Prophecy 101. The Antichrist will stop the sacrifices. They have to have been resumed in order for him to stop them. And so it's just we're living in the end time. These things are supposed to happen just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I know there are people out there that are just saying, oh, yeah, Dave, man, I've heard about this. They've talked about the second coming since the beginning of time. Yeah, they have. There's been messianic prophecies about the coming of the Lord when he would come back on fight on behalf of Israel, Zechariah, Many prophecies about the return of the Lord. However, it's going to happen. There will come a day very soon when those clouds will split wide open. And Revelation 1-7 says, Every eye will behold Him. And He will come back to gather His saints. We'll have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. And we will go straight to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. That's going to happen, folks. 
just as much as every other prophecy in the Bible that's supposed to occur up to this point has happened, that is going to happen. It's very real. It's going to happen in the very near future. And we're just prior to that event happening. Many things are happening. I'll go through many different stories today to help to let you know we truly are in the end time. Wow. Exciting times, right? And if you haven't signed up for the spring tour, we're going to leave Friday for the fall tour, but the spring tour coming up next May, you want to sign up for that. We've got a lot of people signed up already. So get signed up, contact, call 1-800-END-TIME and talk to my wife Jana or to her assistant Brittany and get signed up for the spring tour. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800 endtime. That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. We're going to get to some of these news stories coming up, especially about the world religion, Mark of the Beast, and different things, but I have a quick announcement. Tomorrow will be my first interview on Newsmax. And I will be on the Chris Salcedo Show. It's tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 3 p.m. Central. That's right there at the beginning of our normal programming time. And so uh, we're going to do a little maneuvering and make it all work. But uh, if you would like to watch me on Newsmax uh, with Chris, uh, you can go over there and watch it. I've got everything on, my, um, on our End Time Facebook page. And the End Time community on my personal page, if you guys are connected with me, and uh, check it out. It's on Newsback's Chris Solcido, and that's tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. Now, the world religion. Bible prophecies foretell the establishment of a global religious system in the end time. It's happening as we speak. According to Scripture, 
the leader of this. It's, it's a deceitful organization. It really is. You say, but it's religious. I totally agree. It is, I say, quote, unquote, religion, but not all religions are true. There's only one that is the truth, and that's Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So this world religious system, that's going to be judged by God in the end time. And the leader of this entity will have two objectives, to unite the world's religions. Now remember what I'm saying here as we go through the news in just a moment. This leader will seek to unite the world's religions under one belief system of tolerance. Hey, your religion's all right with you. My religion's all right with me. I believe what I want to believe. You believe what you want to believe. And it's all okay. Let's just all get along and love each other. A belief system of tolerance. Okay? They're saying in the name of peace. But you can kind of feel the pressures uh, from this entity. If you don't want to be a part, then hey, you may not be for peace. You may be a religious extremist. You can, you can feel the societal pressures of this. Well, number two, he will use his, this pious position to influence all the, ad, the adherents to align with and to pledge allegiance to the prophesied end-time world government. Well, there are, re, there are events going on now that are confirming what we who understand and systematically analyze Bible prophecy have known for years. This world religion is in the latter stages of its formation and the world's most recognized religious leader is today beseeching the world to commit and to adhere to the global governing efforts of the United Nations. Anytime you see a religious leader promoting the sustainable development goals, the socialistic blueprint of the United Nations to govern every person on the earth, then this is what we're talking about. They're advocating for the world governing body. The seat, the United Nations, the seat of world government on the earth today. This is happening today in Kazakhstan. So, Jesus prophesied concerning the end time, um, in the end time that religious leaders would deceive many with their false teachings. Uh, that when they asked Jesus, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age in Matthew 24? He said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many will come in my name and saying, hey, I'm Christ. I'm a Christian individual. But they're going to be deceiving many. Because, that's uh, Matthew 24, 4 through 5. Because I'm a Christian licensed minister. I call myself a Christian because I'm following after Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrines that he taught throughout the New Testament. Okay, uh, This is God's Word. I follow the Bible, the God, uh, God's Word. So I consider myself a Christian. And, however, if I consider myself a Christian individual, but I start teaching things that are opposed to God's Word, in other words, um, that... Uh, it's okay to live an LGBTQ lifestyle and yet make it to heaven. Okay, that's opposed to God's Word. It's not because I hate anybody. or uh, It's just that's God's Word and we have to teach that. We're bound as men and women of God, te- uh, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, the fivefold ministry. We're bound to teach the truth. If you don't do that, you're sending people to hell. Let's just get blunt here. 
So, Jesus said, hey, take heed. Many are going to come in my name saying, hey, I am Christ, and they shall be deceiving many. So anybody that moves off of the Bible, to say that there are two ways to be saved, that's diametrically opposed to the Word of God. Okay? You following me? I know I went real deep right there. But that's what's happening in our world. You've got Christians, you've got all kinds of different religions that are coming together and saying, hey, we can all be saved and make it to this eternal bliss somewhere. Doesn't really matter what you believe, right? And so it's a huge deception. It's the master deception. Deception will be the method used by the false prophet to create this one world religious system. Now, although the religious the, the world religion is mentioned in other scriptures, I want to read just a, a particular prophecy found in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 and 12, and then we'll get into the news portion of this. John said I be, in uh, Revelation 13, 1 through 8, it describes the world government and the world uh, government leader, the Antichrist. Then he goes to verse 11 and he said, Hey, I beheld another beast come up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake like a dragon. So, when you think of the Lamb of, in, in the Bible, you think of, hey, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So John said this last day religious leader would look like a Christ-like figure, a Christian individual. He'll be recognized as a Christ-like figure. But here's the problem. He's going to speak like the dragon. His message will be a satanic, deceptive message. And the Bible says... He will exercise all the power of the first beast before him. Where does the Antichrist get his power? And the world government. The Bible says the dragon gives it its seat, power, and great authority. So this individual, this this false prophet, will exercise the power of the first beast before it. And what will be his goal? To cause the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, this Antichrist and its world governing body. This, world, this religious figure will use his authority to influence people to worship and pledge allegiance to world government and the Antichrist or to push the edicts of the world government, i.e. the Sustainable Development Goals, world government, and their propaganda. It's happening as we speak. Now, years ago... Uh, this would have been, we went on the radio uh, 98 here in Dallas. That was our flagship station. In 99, my father-in-law interviewed a man named Robert Mueller. He was a former Secretary of State, or I'm sorry, Secretary of General to the uh, United Nations uh, um, Secretary General. He was an assistant to him at the UN. He told my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, and I'm quoting, he said... Irvin, they were talking about world government. He said, you know, Irvin, and he was supposedly the spiritual guru of the United Nations, but he said, Irvin, he said, we've brought the world together. We've brought this world governing body together as far as we can politically. But we've got to bring, but to bring about this true world government, the world must be brought together spiritually. What we need is a United Nations of religions. So Robert Mueller understood that the ultimate goal of internationalists around the the world is a totally implemented world-governing system, an organization 
designed to supersede any national government, do away with nationalism, and demand that all nations surrender their sovereignty and submit, their, uh, submit to international laws and regulations. Well, Robert Mueller also knew that for this dream to become a reality, that all religions must somehow ignore their differences. Now, I'm talking about huge differences. Is there one God or are there a thousand gods? Can you worship Jesus Christ only and make it to heaven? Or can you worship an idol, a a, a carved idol, or uh, the moon, or the earth, or some other god? All religion, but Robert Mueller, he believed that all religions must somehow ignore their differences unify and pledge their allegiance to the establishment of the global community or world government. Okay, you follow me so far. Now, now let's jump to the news. And I know Doug and Vince talked about this a little bit the other day, but I wanted to kind of come at it from maybe a different angle here because of the world government aspect. The news, uh, the uh, Vatican News published an article, The Pope's Presence in Kazakhstan is to help map a way out of conflicts. Now, I want you to remember what Robert Mueller said. We need a United Nations of Religions. And they've been working and working and working on this to get this thing to come to pass. And it's Bible prophecy. As Pope Francis... Now, this is from the article. I took a few excerpts because I want you to understand this. As Pope Francis prepares to take part in an interfaith congress, he's in Kazakhstan right now. Professor Aza Karam, now she's the Secretary General of the Religions for Peace, which is a huge interfaith organization. She said that the Pope can make religious leaders map out ways of resolving and avoiding conflicts. Pope Francis is a faith leader who many others, even outside the Catholic community, tend to listen to and respect very highly. Now, she's the Secretary General of Religions for Peace. It's Professor Aza Karam. She offered this insight into the Pope's footprint into this interreligious dialogue. And she said, she um, spoke to the Vatican News ahead of Pope Francis' journey to Kazakhstan. She called it an apostolic journey. And it's going on right now. And she said that it will see him participate in the 7th Congress of Leaders of the World and Traditional Religions in Nur Sultan in Kazakhstan. Nearly 100 delegations are expected to attend from 60 nations representing Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Shintoism, Buddhism, Zoroastrianism, Hinduism, or thousands of gods, and many, many, many other religions. And Professor Karam, who's with... Now, this is you need to really remember Religions for Peace. Go check it out. Because you'll find out on their website, their goal is to push the sustainable developments, which is the socialistic blueprint for the world government or the United Nations, to govern every single person on the planet. The 2030 Agenda. That is the main goal of the Religions for Peace. Go look up Religions for Peace, their website. That th- and this is what Professor Karam... Now, th- the Bible says there's going to be a world, religious, a world religion established 
And they will use their influence to get the religions of the world to support the world-governing agenda. This is what they're doing. 2,000-year-old prophecy, it's happening as we speak. Professor Karam with the Religions for Peace said the Pope's various encyclicals and desire for interfaith fraternity have spoken very powerfully about how to embody peace and protection of the, the environment. Now, I want to note something here. And then I've got just a couple more excerpts in this article. In his 2015 encyclical, Laudato Si, you heard about that? He, now he's got this Laudato Si seven-year action plan, right? Well, Pope Francis stated this. After giving all of the horrible scenarios of global, human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, okay, which is a, I'm just going to say it, it's a hoax, but this is where he went in that encyclical. He says this at the very end. He said, given this situation, it is essential to devise stronger and more... What was, what was his answer? The, the, um, what was his diagnosis for this horrible thing that humans are doing to the planet? He said, given this situation, it's essential to devise stronger and more efficiently organized international institutions. He's pushing for world government with functionaries who are appointed fairly by agreement among national governments and empowered to impose sanctions. So he wants to have teeth. He doesn't want to recommend, hey, I think we might ought to do, we might, uh, should do this. He doesn't want to give suggestions. He wants teeth, empowered to impose sanctions for anybody who doesn't line up with this. And then he says, as Benedict XVI has affirmed in continuity with with the social teaching of the church, the Catholic church, He says, to manage the global economy, to revive economies hit by the crisis, to avoid any deterioration of the present crisis and the greater imbalances that would result, to bring about integral and timely disarmament. Now, scratch your head on that one. Disarmament? Yeah, they want to disarm everybody except the global elite for food security and peace, to guarantee the protection of the environment, and to regulate migration. Think about that. Yeah, the world government does want to regulate migration. For all of this, he says in his encyclical, what I'm quoting here, there is an urgent need for, of a true, political world, a true world political authority, as my predecessor, uh, John 23, indicated some years ago. So, there you have it. The goal of the encyclical. Now, uh, Professor Karam of the uh, United um, the Religions for Peace She said through all of the Pope's encyclicals, this is what he's been working to do and to protect the environment and different things. But what does he do to protect the environment? What does he call for? A world government. That's what he called for in the encyclical. What does the Bible say is going to happen? There's going to be a world religion established and the leader of that world religion is going to use his influence to get the religions of the world to advocate for and to pledge allegiance to the edicts of the world government. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So you can see how what John prophesied about 2,000 years ago in Revelation 13 is happening as we speak. And yet I still have some people say, well, I, you know, I know you guys talk about all this all the time and you talk about the second coming and this big transition that's going to happen in the end time. But, you know, I've never seen any of it, so I, it's, it's all fake. Or it's just a myth and a fairy tale. Listen to me. This is a 2,000-year-old prophecy. It's happening as we speak, folks. And for the, the Bible says there will be people that understand this stuff in the end time. They're going to be instructing many. They're going to be helping people figure out this stuff. We're just prior to this. It puts a sense of urgency in you. I need to get myself ready to meet the Lord, and I need to get my family, my friends, my sphere of influence on board with this thing. And that's what we're here to do, to explain these things and to let you know we are in the end time Let's get ready to meet the Lord and prepare for the times that are just ahead. Now, a couple more excerpts from this article from the Vatican News. Professor Karam, who's the Secretary General of the Religions for Peace, she was invited by the Kazakhstan government to attend the Congress because her organization represents religious leaders in over 90 countries. Okay, It's huge. She expressed her hopes that the event will help regularize or normalize more frequent encounters between religious and faith leaders in order to develop a common discourse of collaboration and a joint action for peace. Now, I want you to notice this right here, that it's all about, they say, hey, let's just push aside our differences with all these different religions in the name of peace. Because they say, hey... The, uh, in some of these uh, religious conflicts around the world that there's these extremists, people that are, because of their religious beliefs, they would walk in and blow themselves up in a building. So in the name of peace, let's all come together and just push our differences aside and all just kumbaya, have a good time and love each other and all of us get along, right? So here's the point. Anybody who doesn't want to be a part of this will be labeled an extremist, or, a, 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 as Gorbachev would have said in Perestroika, a religious extremist. 
And so you can think because myself as a Christian, I will not be a part of this. Now, do I love them people? I love every single one of them. And I would love to teach them a Bible study. But I cannot push my Christian differences aside and say, I can say, Mr. So-and-so, that, that uh, you, I can't, you know, you, you, there's only one way to heaven. I've got to teach the gospel of the kingdom of God, just like Jesus did, just like the apostles did. I can never move off of that. The Bible says, if any man comes teaching any other gospel than what we preached unto you, let him be accursed. Even an angel from heaven, let him be accursed. Because there's this, this Bible, we're going to stick to that like super glue, folks. We're not moving off the Bible. And so I cannot, as a Christian individual, a true Bible-believing, Bible-teaching Christian individual, I can't go into this interfaith movement. Cannot do that. That is a no-no in the end time. God's going to judge that. And so we have to be a light to the world, the salt of the earth, and go out and teach and preach the, not uh, all of the Gospels, but the gospel unto this world. The Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew 24, this gospel will be preached into all the world, then the end will come. This gospel, not all of the 1,000 gospels. There's only one. And so we've got to make sure. But to, in the eye, this lady's calling for peace, uh, Professor Karam over the Religious for Peace. She's saying, hey, we, we are coming together as a, uh, a thing of peace. Now, I think in some of their minds... They believe that what they're being told is true. But I know that in the end time, because of the prophecies, that this is going to, the, the world religion leader, the, the false prophet, will usurp authority over this when all is said and done and use this for a very bad thing. It's happening right now. They're getting the religions of the world to advocate for and to support the world government, the, the Agenda 2030, the Sustainable Development Goals. Okay? I'm never going to advocate for the Sustainable Development Goals. I'm never going to advocate for world government. And I'm never going to participate in this end-time, world-religious, interfaith, ecumenical movement. It's not going to happen. Because we've got to teach the truth in the end time. You shall know the truth. What's going to happen? The truth will set you free. Now, Professor Karam compared the, this Congress that's happening in Kazakhstan to a religious version of... Now, get this. Remember what uh, Robert Mueller said. We need... Irvin, back in 1999, we need a United Nations of Religions. Well, Professor Karam, in this Vatican article, said she compared the Congress to a religious version, here it is, of the United Nations General Assembly, which provides a forum for governments to meet and advance the common good. Common good being world government. Picking the, the, the international community, the, the common good. Picking up the analogy of the UN General Assembly, Professor Karam noted that the International Forum sometimes fails to prevent conflict, but that its failure never keeps it from continuing to try to and promote dialogue. In the same way, religious communities and leaders must continue to talk with one another since they are larger and more influential than governments are, is what she says. So she considers the Religions for Peace a United Nations or United Nations General Assembly-like of the world. Okay, 
Now, remember Revelation 13, a world religious system that will get the religions on board and advocating for a world government. We're in the end times, folks. It's easily proven. Go to the Religions for Peace website. They have a strategic plan. When they, you go down to the drop-downs and it says what we do. They'll have a strategic plan there you can look at. They have a strategic plan, 2020 to 2050. They say, and I'm quoting, Religions for Peace has set six strategic goals for the period of 2020 to 2025, the years. Each of the goals advance the Religions for Peace multi-religious vision for peace, build on the Religions for Peace past work, and get this, and align with one or more of the Sustainable Development Goals, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. On their website, they actually list all 17, 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And the Religions for Peace's strategic goals are independent progress towards one goal contributes to progress towards the others. They're all working to push the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations. The Sustainable Development Goals, again, I'm not going to go through all of them, but that is the socialistic blueprint of the United Nations to govern every single person on the planet. And it's prophecy being fulfilled. Prophecy 101 right here before us. And wow, what exciting times we're living in. And you say, man, I'm scared to death. Not me. It makes me want to go out and teach the true gospel of Jesus Christ to every single person on this planet. I wish they would have invited me to Kazakhstan so I could preach the truth over there. Because you can't tell everybody on earth they're going to go to heaven. You cannot do that. The Bible says most people won't go because they won't align up with the truth. And so, that's, that's just facts, folks. And we've got to go with it. Now, precursors to the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, 17 through 18. We're going to shift gears here on you. The Bible says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell. It's economic sanctioning in the end time by the Antichrist and the false prophet. Nobody's going to be able to buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So everybody on earth, according to this prophecy, is going to be given their own unique digital ID. And without that, they're not going to be able to buy or sell. You're not going to be able to participate in society. John was given that prophecy 2,000 years ago, exiled out on the Isle of Patmos. Well, Fee Stories, the news site, they published an article. Now get this, you guys, this is about as close as it gets. Why a digital dollar is a really bad idea. And so the downsides are borderline dystopian. These are precursors to the mark of the beast. Think about a digital dollar. Right now, you can have greenbacks in your hand. You're totally free to go buy whatever you want and nobody can track it. It's freedom. Cash is freedom. Imagine if everything was digital. Somebody was tracking your every move. The money that you put in your bank account. The money you take out of your bank account. Every pack of gum you buy and whatever else you buy. You say, what I buy is private. Not if it's digital. Somebody's tracking that. Okay? Now, you probably already knew this, but I just thought I would kind of bring it back up to your, uh, the front of your mind here. So, the widespread embrace of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies 
has left many government bureaucrats feeling left out because they're decentralized. In a bid to get in on the action, many governments have floated the idea of a central bank digital currency, CBDC. And a government issued, it's a, the central bank digital currency are these digital dollars. They're a government issued cryptocurrency used using blockchain technology. Now, the President Biden, he directed a federal government a while back, a few months ago, to explore this idea. And a new reporting suggests that Biden administration may soon press forward with efforts to create a so-called digital dollar. Now, the U.S. Treasury Department, quoting, will advise the federal government to press forward on work to issue a digital dollar, though it should only take the final step if there's sign-offs that the government-created tokens are in the national interest. That comes from the coin desk. But I, I, I'm telling you, you, you tell me what you think. Joe Biden talked about this. Do you think they're going to go ahead and do it? I, I mean, I'm not prophesying here. But in my opinion, this is capital O, opinion, I think a central bank digital dollar is coming. Now, I could be wrong. I'm telling you right up front. It's, it's speculation. I'm not prophesying or none of that. But I'm just saying, it, whenever they start talking about something, I can almost guarantee that it's coming because they, they, they're, they, they're not even smart enough to try to hide some of their stuff. So the question of national interests of the Biden administration and potentially actions by Congress. This is from the coin desk. Okay, uh, moving on here. So at, at first glance, government getting in on the crypto craze might sound fun, novel, and harmless to some people but it's actually a cause for serious alarm. A central bank digital currency would have none of the benefits of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, and, but beyond that, it would have serious drawbacks. Why, why a, a central bank crypto wouldn't be like Bitcoin? Well, any digital currency that uses blockchain technology can technically be called a cryptocurrency, but as Bitcoin influencer and content creator Leia Helpern has aptly explained, Bitcoin has unique properties that make it valuable. It's it's both permissionless, anyone can use it, and can use it how they want. And it's decentralized, meaning there's no central authority that can control the currency. That's what makes Bitcoin so so enticing to people. And so the latter part is especially important because no one can increase the supply of Bitcoin beyond its predetermined mining schedule. No one can arbitrarily erode its value like the U.S. government has done with the dollar through printing so much money. So a lot of people are enticed to buy Bitcoin, right? Well, we'll get more into it when we get back. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Now, I know you're out there saying, man, Dave, you've been talking a lot about this central bank digital currency lately. Yeah, I absolutely have. I absolutely do not want this implemented here in America. I want it, you know, if they made it, make it an option, but it, it won't be an option. Just get ready. If they implement it, if it's tied in with the uh, central banking system around the world and the, the, the Bank for International Settlements and everything, there will come a time when it's not optional. I, I don't really want that here. A central bank digital currency would be neither permissionless nor decentralized. I mean, most of the benefits that cryptocurrency like Bitcoin offer and the value that comes with them, they wouldn't even be on the table. There are downsides that are really borderline dystopian here. I mean, if a digital dollar was just kind of useless, that wouldn't be the end of the world. But it's much worse than that. I mean, while a central bank digital currency would offer none of the benefits of Bitcoin, it would offer governments new, unprecedented ways to control citizens. Now, i.e., think about precursors to the mark of the beast here. To call the idea rife for abuse is an extreme understatement. After all, a central bank digital currency would allow the government to track your every single purchase, folks. It could also be easily used to restrict purchases. So think about this. Right now, if you're using a debit card or a credit card, somebody's already tracking your every move. Cash, freedom. Digital, somebody's tracking that. I promise you. We had a guy come in here, talk to us about our um, expanding our... Um, reach on the, the internet and different things. He's a, he's a professional. He's been working with Sony, a lot of different people. We'll be talking to you more about that in the near future. I can tell you, big things are coming for End Time Ministries in the very near future. Again, you can watch me tomorrow on uh, Newsmax. Very important. Go to all our websites and different things. You can find out all about all about it, where we're going to be. But if you... If you uh, the guy told us, he said, your phone's listening to you. He said, Facebook, all these other different places, they are data-gathering instruments. They're, they're gathering. Your phone's listening to you all the time. I was in a meeting earlier this morning about some of the new videos we got coming out. And I said something about, uh, if somebody doesn't do something, I will whip out my nine and bust a cap. Okay, I just, It was just a statement. If they don't get this done, I'll do that. My phone immediately said, do you need, uh, how can I help you? Siri was listening to me, and I made a statement like that. Now, I was not going to do that, okay? It's a statement. You don't do this, I'm going to whip out my nine and bust a cap. I would never do something like that. But I made that statement, and Siri said, uh, is there a problem? Can I help you? Or something like that. And all of us were like, this phone is sitting there listening to what I say. Tell me it hasn't happened to you. 
you made a statement about a rock climber or a, a, a specific truck that you're looking at or whatever, and you start getting ads for it on your Facebook feed. Tell me that hasn't happened to you. It happens to me all the time. It's digital. Every, for some reason, there's wacky people out there that are collecting every piece of data you put out. And when, think about our money going digital. People will be tracking every move you make. Example, imagine a future government deciding that gasoline must be rationed in order to address climate change, let's say, because Joe Biden's all in on the propaganda, United Nations propaganda of human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, okay? Well, so your digital dollars could be made stop to stop working at the gas pump once you've purchased a certain amount of gasoline in a week. Now, with cash, it's not possible. But in this way, a central bank digital currency would open up new avenues for the government to assert control over our everyday lives. It would make our wealth and incomes less truly our own. And if any of this sounds extreme or, you know, sensationalistic or otherwise far-fetched, just look at China. I mean, when the Biden administration publishes its report and advocates for the creation of a digital dollar, let's say, in the very near future, if they do, I hope they don't, the public shouldn't treat that idea merely with intrigue or disinterest. We need to speak out and really to oppose the idea. I, don't, I, I would never vote for something like that because we would certainly live to regret it. I promise you. It's not where things start. It's where they end up. You say, well, in the beginning, it's just going to be totally harmless. Oh, man, I don't know. Um, because I understand what they're trying to do with world government and if they can get control of your money, uh, who was it? Um, Mayor Amschel Rothschild said, give me control of a country's money. I don't care who makes their laws, right? If you can get control of a country's money, yes, we do have a central bank, and they control our interest rates and the, the amount of money in circulation and different things the, the, and what we print, which is devaluing the dollar like crazy. But there's still cash, and cash is freedom. But, if we were to move on to a central bank digital currency, a digital dollar, man, I mean, I don't know if it would completely do away with cash. I hope it doesn't here in America. But if we were to move on to a digital dollar and, and there were countries that would go cashless, imagine the control that a government would have over a population. Okay? I would never vote for that. Now, let me move to climate change really quick. Because this, we're, we're living under the ball and chain of the propaganda of the United Nations. Human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. They're pushing that propaganda, and, and we are spending trillions and trillions of dollars on this mess to get all of this green agenda pushed, and it's all propaganda. Okay, Now, I'm just going to read you a couple news titles the title of the article, and then we'll move into my, my point here, and then we'll wrap it up. The CNBC, the news source, they published an article. The UN warns that the world is entering uncharted territories of destruction from the climate crisis. Are you scared by that statement? I'm not, because I know it's propaganda. The BBC, climate change, the IPC, 
IPCC reports, the International Panel on Climate Change reports, warns of irreversible impacts of global warming. Are you scared yet? MSN, California Governor Gavin Newsom signs the Dodd Bill that takes aim at the existential, the life-threatening threat posed by climate change. Existential threat. And you say, well, man, I'm scared to death, Dave. I'm shaking in my shoes. Don't be. The only thing we need to worry about is all the regulations they're giving because of this propaganda and how they're trying to destroy America with it, really. But the American Thinker published an article, hey, newsflash, there is no climate change emergency. (laughs) Okay? I'm going to read that again. American Thinker. Newsflash, there is no climate emergency. Human caused or otherwise, according to over... Now, this is from the American Thinker article. Listen to this, very cool. There is no climate emergency. Human caused or otherwise, according to over 1,100 objective truth-seeking scientists. You heard a while back when President Obama said 97% of the scientists say, it was going around everywhere, that... Human-induced global warming is leading to climate change. That was an absolute, I'll be nice and say, not true statement. 1,100 objective truth-seeking scientists and professionals from over 35 countries have said, it's not true. There's no climate crisis. Many of the scientists are climatologists, environmental scientists, pollution meteorologists, and climate researchers. They fully support the findings of the Global Climate Emergency Group, the GCEG in its recently released report entitled World Climate Declaration, there is no climate emergency. And this is very important because the world community is trying to scare you out of your mind so you'll yield up your sovereignty and sell your gas-guzzling car, go out and buy an electric vehicle and go from the oil and gas industry onto all of this uh, solar power and all these batteries and everything else. But there's no emergency. The significance of this report cannot be overstated. It, it directly refutes the climate emergency claims of many of the world's so-called elites, the World Economic Forum, elements of the United Nations, America's Democratic Party, and other promoters of the climate change catastrophe. It's simply not the case, folks. And furthermore, the, the findings of the report strongly negate efforts to do away with the fossil fuels and charge full full steam ahead to deploy electric vehicles and quickly as possibly and spend and spend million or I should say many billions of dollars in near-term green energy projects. It's, it's a complete hoax. Dr. Mike Rechtenwald, he noted he's a noted author and he's a former professor at the New York University. He reported that various Democrats are pressuring the Biden administration to declare a climate emergency. And these people believe, or knowingly falsely state, that failure to do so will result in excess carbon dioxide, CO2, think about that, emissions killing every living creature on the earth in just a few years. Uh, for example, Representative Alan Lowenthal, he's a California Democrat, he, quoted, he was quoted as saying, we have a few years left, and that's it. The planet is dying. But in, a, in its report, the GCEG declares the following. Listen closely. Number one, 
Climate policy relies on inadequate models. Climate models have many shortcomings and are not remotely plausible as policy tools. They do not only exaggerate the effect of greenhouse gases, they also ignore the fact that enriching the atmosphere with carbon dioxide is beneficial. It's plant food. CO2, carbon dioxide, is plant food. You remember your old biology class, right? CO2 is plant food. It's the basis of all life on the earth. And contrary to what climate emergency promoters say, CO2 is not a pollutant. Okay, These guys are telling the truth here. It's essential to all life on the earth. More CO2 is favorable for nature greening on our planet. CO2 in the air has promoted growth in our global plant biomass. And it also is profitable for agriculture, increasing the yields of crops worldwide. But yet this propaganda is demonizing that and saying it's a pollutant. Natural as well as anthropogenic or human-induced factors cause warming. The geological archive reveals that Earth's climate has varied as long as the planet has existed. And it's going to with natural warming and cold phases. The Little Ice Age ended back in uh, 1850. And so it's no surprise that we're experiencing a, a, a warming period here. It's no big deal. And warming is far slower than anyone has predicted. The world has warmed significantly less than predicted by the international, or I should say the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change on the basis of these modeled anthropogenic or human-induced warming. And the gap between the real world and the modern world indicates that we are far from understanding climate change. Global warming has not increased natural disasters. It's simply not true. There's no structural evidence that global warming is intensifying hurricanes, floods, droughts, and these types of natural uh, disasters. And so it's very important that we understand. You see how we're lit, what's going on in the news headlines and how they tie into Bible prophecy. This is world government propaganda. And all of this stuff is supposed to occur just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we'll be here every day to keep you in, on, in the news. God bless. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 